0: Daniel chapter one, verse one, I'll read the first verse and you'll join me on the second. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands and part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried unto the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought vessels and treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Daniel as a young man, the Bible calls him a child, gets taken into captivity and is faced with a daunting task of being being a subject or a slave to the king. This is a very disconcerting time in his life, a time where he'd just been stolen literally from his hometown, his home country and been taken to a place that he'd never been before, destined to be a slave there, he probably felt for the rest of his life. And while he was in this great flux in his life, this great time of confusion, a time where he was not focused on anything for the future, He decides that, you know, when offered the meat from the king's house, when probably all the other slaves were getting just, uh, you know, just uh, peasant-type food, he was getting the fine wine and he was getting the king's meat. But he purposed, as we read in verse 8, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of times in our life, I preached a, a youth rally yesterday for Brother Dale in Waterford, Michigan, and uh, they had an awesome theme. The uh, theme was called Focus 2020, and uh, just a tremendous theme to preach around and to preach from, and the thought obviously has stuck in my head and my mind. But you know, uh, young people, many of you are sitting over here to my left and, and others around the building tonight, you know, we—you're uh, at a very great disadvantage in life to try to figure out your future. Your life just doesn't seem focused right now. You, you can't figure out what you're going to be in life. You're trying to—you're trying to find your abilities and your talents. You're trying to find your gifts, and um, you get a little bit older. You're in college. You—you you, know—you start honing that down and so forth. But hear this, young man. Daniel finds himself with a purpose. You can never focus your life, and you will never focus your life until you are settled on a purpose. And I, I believe we live in a day and a time where young people uh, are finding that their life doesn't have purpose. They're trying to focus without, without having something of meaning to look to. It's kind of like hunting and aiming your scope at just anything out in the field. It doesn't mean anything. It's confusing. But when you see that deer, you see that animal out there, boy, that's your purpose. And all of a sudden, you start zeroing in on that. And all of a sudden, you know, everything starts to get clearer and clearer and clearer. And Daniel here, the first thing that happened in his life through a great tumult of of confusion and battle and the loss of great life and probably friends and loved ones and relatives, he now finds that his purpose is not to defile himself. He was going to honor his God. He was going to do what God wanted him to do in a foreign land. He was going to serve his God even while he was a slave to a heathen. He was going to live in a heathen place with heathen, heathen bosses and rulers and, and, and managers and so forth. But he was going to live for God. When I was when I was young, I uh, at eighth, in eighth grade it would have my guess it would have been right the summer, right after eighth grade graduation. Our youth group went to the Bill Rice Ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Many of the older folks in this church, we used to go there for camp every summer. We'd have great revival and I I just remember even as a child, kids coming back and storming the altar with their decisions that they made at the ranch. But I went, and I believe it was my first year there. But I remember sitting in the back section on my right, your left, and uh, about maybe seven, eight rows from the back row on the end on the aisle, the outside aisle. And I don't remember who preached, but I remember God getting a hold of me. And all I remember, Brother Judah, is that I wanted God to use me. That was it. I didn't know where, I didn't know how, I I wasn't focused in on any of that. But I knew right then and there my purpose, the purpose of my life was to be used for the Lord. Now many of you have gone through services and you've gone through revival services and camps and and so forth, and maybe you've not felt that in a sermon at at any time. I, I find that hard to believe, but maybe you haven't. But I did. In eighth grade, I felt that God wanted me, and all I remember is sitting there and just weeping and crying and gave my heart to the Lord. I didn't even go forward. I didn't fill out a a decision slip. I didn't come forward in church after that, but I still remember to this very day what happened at that moment that all of a sudden purpose came into my life. God has a purpose for each and every one of us here today of any age. Moms and dads, your children weren't just born to you in your household, God gave them to you with purpose. And our job as adults, our job as moms and dads, our job as grandparents are to help our young people find that purpose and allow them time and effort for the Holy Spirit to to speak to their heart. It was then in 10th grade that through a series of events, I felt God just, just, just punching my heart, not poking me, but punching me in the, in the heart just to, 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 to preach. And I knew that's what I was supposed to do. I had a friend of mine spending the night at my house, and I remember telling him, I believe God's calling me to preach. And I said, if I feel like this on Sunday, I'm going forward. I'm going to walk the aisle, and I'm going to tell Brother Hiles, God's calling me to preach. Now, I remember doing that. I remember walking the, the, the uh, center aisle over there in the, uh, the Jack Hiles Auditorium. And Brother Hiles at that time was down at the altar down there on the left side. And I walked up to the house and I shook his hand, hand and he said, Eddie, what can I do for you? And this is the honest truth. I said, Brother Hiles, God's called me to preach. And you know what Brother Hiles said? He said, are you sure? Just like that and I was was confused a little bit. But I I knew what had happened, I knew what was going on in my heart, and I said, yes, sir, he did. And he said, if you feel that way, I want you to kneel right here, then I want you to pray and tell God that's what you're going to do. They read my name that night, nothing special after that, but I just knew that I was now, I was now called to preach. I wasn't a preacher yet, I didn't have a pulpit, I had no idea, still in that unfocused area of my life. But I had purpose. I had purpose. And it was going into my, my uh, senior year, the latter part of my junior year, I really felt God leading me to work with young people. went to my youth pastor and I said, God's calling me. I believe my focus is supposed to be on on young people. And that's where I want to, I believe I should set my direction. He said, let's do that. Let's pray right now and tell God that's what you'll do. And if he ever wants to change your mind, then let him change your mind. And that's exactly what I did. My 12th grade year, getting ready to go to Howells Anderson College right after graduation, and a lot of things were happening. Many of my friends were going to other universities, and, and a, a good crowd of them were going, was going down to Tennessee Temple, and I thought about going there. Dr. Robertson was there, and we had many students there. It was a fine college, and Brother Hiles would have probably been happy with me going to Tennessee Temple. Then I received a letter one day from Maranatha Baptist Bible College, from Ben Peterson, who coached wrestling at Hammond Baptist. And I had wrestled at Hammond Baptist, or at, at Maranatha, and I wrestled at Hammond Baptist in high school, and, and uh, he'd asked me to come and be a part of the wrestling team. They didn't offer any kind of scholarships of any kind, but just thought that I might be interested in coming to Maranatha. And of course, I was quite flattered. I found those letters just a few weeks ago. And uh, a few days later, I got another letter from him with his his handwriting and signature on it asking me to come. And I thought, you know what? That might be pretty neat to do for a couple years. But you know what? Then it hit me, Brother Judah, it hit me again. You know, but I'm, I'm called to preach. I'm not called to go into sports, I'm not called to go into coaching, I'm called to preach. And I believed God had, 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 had prompted me, not because it was our college here. It was a young college at the time, but it was our college here that I, that's where I should go. And I put those letters away and thanked God that I'd had an opportunity and decided, you know, never even answered him, never called him back. I just, I just, I had purpose all of a sudden. Went to Hiles Anderson. My freshman year was, was anything but stellar. I've realized they they really wanted to get a study in college. And uh, I had a lot of youth left in me in my freshman year and got into a lot of trouble actually. Nothing moral, nothing that would have kicked me out of school but got me into a lot of offices. Me and Brother Meister became pretty close and uh, I remember that sitting in chapel, we sat with a bunch of Hammond Baptist grads and we sat in the very back of the where the rec center is today. And, uh, and uh, that was the chapel. It was all concrete building with wooden pews. If you burped in that building, it would last for days. It just was, a, it was an old Catholic kind of building. And we would sit in the back and we'd misbehave and we'd try to catch each other falling asleep and kick their leg and try to hit their, their shin on the back of the pew there if they fell asleep and trying to get them to holler out and, and just all kinds of things I don't have time to get into right now. But we got into a lot of trouble. We were cocky, we were arrogant, we were making fun of other people. A guy turned around in front of us, was so angry one chapel, he said to one of my friends, he says, I want your name! And my friend said, why? Don't you like yours? And that's the kind of attitude that we had, and that's the kind of trouble that we were, we were getting into, until one day we, we'd gotten word that Dr. Evans was on to us. And we got word that, you know what, he didn't know who we were, but he was going after the guys in the back of the chapel. So we got smart, and we outsmarted Dr. Evans, and we decided, let's get there early and get the front row, and we did. Guys had briefcases and books up there. We just took them and we moved into the second row and we all sat up there and man, the singing time came. We were singing like we were, we were in a choir and we were just letting it belt and we were just so pharisaical, it wasn't funny. In the middle of one of the songs, Dr. Evans stopped and he said, I'm gonna do something today. Man, a little bit out of the ordinary and then we thought, man, we're gonna get busted right now. And he said, I've gotten word over the past several, for several days and several weeks that a group of you guys in the back row back there have been misbehaving all through the front part of the service, and I'm tired of it. We're not going to have it at Hiles Anderson College. And, of course, we're sitting on the front row. And we're amening, we're hollering, get them, burn them, and uh, that's their sin, we're just having a big old time. And then Dr. Evans did the most amazing thing. He says, I'm gonna do something right now. I want you boys in the back row, I want you to learn to sit up on the front row. I want you to come up here right now. And he said, would you guys mind going sitting on the back row for this service? And so we're walking back and we're looking at these guys. They had no idea what was going on. We're giving them scowls and we're making fun of them. And you hypocrite, why don't you go to Tennessee Temple? Why don't you go to Bob Jones? And what are you doing at Howells Anderson? was but a few weeks later, we moved into the new auditorium there on the campus, and again, we sat towards the back, and we started misbehaving. And I had decided that uh, when I uh, stepped foot on the campus, I had made a decision that I'm graduating from this school in four years if I have to take a gun to somebody. But I was getting out of here in four years. And as I sat during chapel and my friends were misbehaving and we were cutting up, all of a sudden, a, a, just a revelation came to me and I said, realization is, Lapina, you're not graduating from this school. You stay right here sitting with these knuckleheads, you're, you're not gonna graduate. My purpose was to graduate. My purpose was what? to preach. My purpose was, and all of a sudden, my life started to get a bit more focused. And all of a sudden now, my purpose is becoming big and strong in my life, and I'm getting to a place of somewhat maturity, and I I realized that I had a long ways to go. The next day in chapel, I moved up to about seven rows back on the right-hand side, sat by myself, and it was a lonely service for me. After chapel, my friends came and said, What's the matter? You're not sitting with us today. I said, I'm not sitting with you guys anymore. We're in trouble. And I don't want to be in trouble anymore. And uh, another couple of guys came and sat by me. And you know what? We started singing in chapel. And boy, we loved the song service. And we began to listen in chapel and go forward in chapel. And everything about college changed. Everything. You know, I was focused. In 1981 my youth pastor failed me. I loved him with all my heart. My wife and I were close. Broke our hearts. And I thought, what am I gonna do? Then I realized, you know, my youth pastor didn't call me into service. It was God that called me. And I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to honor those that have, have the rule over me, but I'm supposed to serve the Lord. And I continued with my purpose. In 1989, our church had a difficult time, and many things happened in our church, and many of our people left, and most of our friends of a lifetime left our church. And my wife and I sat back in the corner of the auditorium one Sunday night, and uh, we looked at each other, and we, I said, Jamie, can you see anybody we know well enough to go to Minor Dunn after church tonight?" She said no. We began to cry. But I still had purpose. I still had purpose. In 2001, Brother Hiles died. It was a very surreal day in our life. I remember standing in the back of the lobby of the the, uh, Don Boyd Auditorium as the children were up, the teenagers were praying, begging for God to heal Brother Hiles as he was going through surgery, knowing full and well that he had already died. My heart was breaking. Brother Brian Hasse walked in and he looked at me and he said, Brother Hiles is gone, isn't he? I said, yeah, Brian, he is. I said, i got to go tell the kids. And I remember my daughter coming up after I told the kids, just hugging me and just we just wept together. Didn't know what the future was like. We're talking about unfocused, but you know what? I still had purpose. Brother Hiles congratulated me into the ministry and he ordained me into the ministry, but he didn't call me. It was God that called me. It was God that gave me that purpose. It was God that set me in that order. Of course, 2012, our pastor was fired from here, and everything changed for all of us. And Once again, we relied on our purpose. Our purpose. You know, your first day in your your decision to follow Christ, young people, if I may, is probably your easiest day. Following Christ isn't easy. As long as you have purpose, it makes it, it, makes it easy easier. But without, without purpose, you're going to just wander all over the road trying to figure out what to do with your life. And those of you that sit here today and moms and dads, those of you that have real purpose in your life and you're in this church not just because you want to fill a pew, but because you want to help Brother Wilkerson serve the Lord and and support missionaries and to get young people on the field to serve God as this church has always done all these years. The days sometimes are going to be pretty difficult. They're not always going to be easy. I was watching the the looting and the mobs that were terrorizing our cities a few weeks ago. And uh, watching as they were breaking windows and they were cursing cops. and, And in a Fox News report, one of the Fox reporters he said, he said, one of the most amazing things happened today. He said, I was out in D.C. and I was watching a group of National Guardsmen stand in a straight line with their riot gear on and their masks on and holding their weapons and uh, that were holding rubber bullets instead of real bullets. And uh, And the people were throwing bottles at them and they were cursing and they were shooting fireworks at them. And uh, they were they were shooting all kinds of, of insults there getting in their face right in their grill and just cussing them, saying the most vile things to them. And I was waiting for these men just to explode in anger and start beating and start pushing the people back, but they'd had a commanding officer that had trained them very well and he kept on saying, keep your bearing, keep your bearing, keep your bearing. And he said, these men were so well-trained, they never got out of sorts. They never started hitting these guys. They never started losing their cool. They just kept their bearing. And I, I'd never heard that term before. You military guys, I know that you have, because my son, uh, just a couple of Sundays ago, I asked him, I said, Matt, he has been in the uh, in Kuwait, in the uh, National Guard, and he is home now. And I asked him, I said, have you ever heard the term, keep your bearing? He said, well, sure I have, Dad. He said, it's, it's pumped into us. I said, what does it mean? And he gave me this definition. I looked it up for clarification. It says a military bearing is conducting oneself in a professional manner to bring credit upon oneself and the army at all times. It is the ability, of a, uh, it, it, it is the ability to project a commanding presence and confidence uphold standards, and doing the hard right over the easy wrong in both good and bad situations, both on and off duty. Did you get that To to doing the hard right over the easy wrong in both good and bad situations, both on and off duty? And here, while these men were, were being berated, and they were being cussed at, and I mean, people were putting their fists in their faces, and I mean, you and I, and, I, and this, this reporter was saying, I was waiting for one of them just to take the butt of his gun and just smack this guy, but he just stood there, As his officer, his lieutenant was saying, saying keep your pairing, keep your pairing. Keep your bearing. Remember your code of contact. contact. Remember your purpose. Remember what you're all about. Remember your uniform. Remember who you're serving. We need a generation of young people and adults, and moms and dads, and families that are learning to keep their bearing. And Daniel was taken into a far country, far away from his family, and not understanding what was happening. He knew that he was a child of God. He knew that he was a Hebrew and was supposed to serve God. He kept his bearing the entire time. His purpose was there. But all the days that Daniel was there, he kept his prayer life together. He kept his Christianity in order and his God first. He kept his bearing. How's your bearing tonight? College students, how's your bearing tonight? Are you just trying to get through school as God called you to a purpose? Are you just trying to figure out, well, maybe I'll do that. You know what, that's something I might do. Or, you know what, that's something I ought to do. Or that's something that's a good idea. No, no, no. Those things never get done. Make it a purpose. Serve God with purpose. And when you do, Satan is going to do everything he can do. He's going to get your grill. He's going to give you opportunity to sin. He is going to do everything that he can to get you off course. But keep your bearing. Keep your bearing. You need to keep your bearing on holiness. One of the areas Satan will get you out of sorts and get you out of school, get your family to break up and get your marriage to go asunder is to, to ruin your mental, uh, your mental capacity to think pure and to be pure, to get you on pornography, to get you looking at other women, to get you into relationships you have no business being a part of. Satan will go after you unlike anything if you have given your heart and your purpose to God. He'll go after you, young man. He'll go after you, young ladies. College kids, he's going to go after your purity. Keep your holiness. Satan tries to tempt you. Just let that, 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 uh, that, that statement go through your mind. Keep my bearing. I, I, I'm supposed to graduate from college. If I take that girl, she is not going to allow me to graduate from college. I'm supposed to be a missionary. I'm supposed to go to the mission field. And there, I'm gonna go to Togo. I'm going to the Congo. And that's where I'm supposed to serve. Is that a young lady gonna help me get there or keep me from it? Remember your bearing keep your bearing. Moms and dads, you may may, uh, get job offers to move across the country. And and I'm not against any of that. But listen, is that going to help you rear your family for God and to do what God's purpose is for them? Maybe you ought to look and keep your bearing and instead of letting money guide, guide it for you. Keep your bearing on holiness. Ephesians 5, 8, and 10, I often love to quote this verse, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. No, listen to me. When Satan tries to tempt you with evil, and he tries to tempt you away through and tries to ruin your morals, and tries to get you to dress immodestly, and in such a rage right now, and our Christian young ladies to dress and act immodestly all the time, you know that's a biblical doctrine? It's not just a way of the world. It's just not something that we would like for you to do. It's what God says you're supposed to do. Amen. But when you allow other men and other religions and other Christian leaders that have, that, that have taken down their holiness and taken their flag of holiness and lowered it to half mass, I'm telling you, listen to me carefully, you're losing your bearing. Keep your bearing and holiness. Keep your bearing on church. Brother Judah will testify to this, that one of the greatest difficulties he has with our teenagers right now is moms and dads attending church faithfully. Am I right? And how sad that is, moms and dads, that church ought never be a decision. It ought to be something you do every, every week, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. In Hebrews chapter 10, it's often used, and pastor uses it a lot, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as the day approaches. Keep our bearing in church and don't just attend, give, support, put your time in, find a, find a cause, find a purpose in church. Find something to do. There's plenty of things to do in this church. If you can't find something to do in this church, you are not looking. And last, keep your bearing on your service to God. Keep your bearing on your service to God. We had a great enrollment in Hiles Anderson College this year. But you know, every Christian college in this country is hurting for students today. And I can't understand that. I can't understand that. When in this day and age, with what this country is going through, young people ought to be seeing the need, seeing the need to get out there and spread the gospel, get out there and spread the seed of the gospel and seeing the need to fill pulpits and seeing the need to fill Christian schools and seeing the need. The truth is at some point in time of their life, they probably did see the need, but they are not keeping their bearing. They've gotten sidetracked with money, they've gotten sidetracked with opportunities, they got sidetracked with, with the fear of going to college or going away from home even. And our young people have learned to stand tall and serve God and give their heart to God. Apostle Paul said, brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the what? Mark." For the what? Prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a prize to serve God. It's a prize to give your heart to God. God may not put you in a pulpit one day, but God, as Brother Wilkerson often says, God can use you to help a pastor. God can use you to fill the Sunday school class. God can use you to drive a bus. God can use you to support a ministry somewhere, somehow, and some, some way in this world. God can use you to rear your children so that God can use them one day. Man, let's not lose our bearing. Let's not get off focus. Don't let sin take us off course. Don't let relationships take us away from opportunities to do right for God. Don't let even good opportunities take us away from what God's opportunities are for us, which are greater than good. Don't let money or the lust of the flesh take us away from where God wants us to be. In this world of changing times, we need to keep our bearing. Moms and dads, your kids need you to keep your bearing. Grandmas, grandpas, there are people watching you. There are grandkids watching you. They need you to stay true to what you've always taught, what you've always been. So I'm not married. You're still being watched. People are watching. Listen to me now. People are watching, staff members, people are watching your Facebook pages. They're watching your standards. They're watching the music that you listen to. Keep your bearing because others, others are watching the direction you're going. How dare you cause them to veer off course. You know, in eighth grade, where I sat at the Bill Rice Ranch. I was thinking about a lot of things that day, but you know one thing I wasn't thinking about? I wasn't thinking about my granddaughter. I was in eighth grade. I was just starting to think girls were pretty. And all of a sudden, you know, I look back at that decision in eighth grade where my bearing started to find purpose. All of a sudden as my granddaughter, Ellie just now went to the junior high department, her bearing, her bearing had bearing on my bearing. Her course was charted because of my course. Her purpose is now finding focus because of my bearing. Adults, some of you are falling away from God. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I love this church. But I would hate for my granddaughter to never know Jesus Christ as her Savior. And that will happen to many whose parents and grandparents have gotten off course. You know, the greatest example in Scripture on this is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ prayed in the garden. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. He did not want to become the man of sin. He'd never sinned, he'd never tasted sin, but he was about to become the man of sin. His father was about to turn his back on him, he'd never been been there, he didn't want to go there, but then he said, not my will, but thine be done. Nevertheless, not my will. I'm keeping my bearing. God, it's not what I want. It's not what I would rather, but nevertheless, Not my will, but thine be done. You know, when they whipped his back, I'm sure, I'm sure that had it been you or I, we would have wanted to tear up that Roman soldier. But he kept his bearing. When the crown of thorns was placed on his brow, he kept his bearing. When when a soldier took his fist and smacked him in the face and pulled his beard, Jesus kept his bearing. When they took him and laid him on a cross and pounded nails through his hands and his feet, and they raised him up and dropped him in the ground to where his bones dislocated, he kept his bearing. And in great humility, as they stripped him naked and took off his clothes, he kept his bearing. And as he looked down and saw the Roman soldiers casting lots for his clothing, he could have called a lightning bolt down. He could have called an angel down. He could have called fire down and, and just sucked up everybody down there. But he kept his bearing and he died. And even in death, he kept his bearing and rose again. To become redemption for you and I. Aren't you glad he did? There's an awful lot of people out there, one day college kids, that are looking for you to keep your bearing. Don't mess up. Don't get off course. Moms and dads, be a great compass for those who follow you. Stand your course. Remember who you serve. Stay faithful to your marriage, to your cause, to your purpose in serving God.